it comes to precise genetic insertion, we really can't do that. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. Well, thank you for joining me again. I first want to say thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. I've got Shell Pace at the $50 level, Sam and Angela Shokley at $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76 with Ty Charles Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, who was a guest, Frank. We have the $10 self-made level with Kevin. We have the Refine Not Burned tier at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pattenbev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, and then the Courage is Contagious $1 level, Amanda, Jay, Spetsnatsky, Darrell, Suzanne, BB King, who is also a guest, and Rick. Thank you so much for all your support. Now we have another special guest back, a personal friend and a friend to the show, Dr. Lee Merritt. Thank you so much for coming back. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I was looking around today for my pandemic reprimando patch. I had it. I wore it on a show the other day. It just stuck to my 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 turtleneck. So I love it. Thanks. Well, thank you for representing. <laughs> now, I wanted to have you on today because you and I recently had a conversation about mRNA. And do we have that technology? Does that exist? Is it in the shots? And you have a lot of good information to share about that. Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you what got me down this road. And, and by the way, I'm one of the crazy people that doesn't think they're viruses. But that I can just that I can absolutely show you why the, the science is, is garbage about this. Some of this what I'm what I'm telling you now is really based on it's, it's more it's less like a scientific research project and more like Angela Lansbury murder. She wrote, you know, going down. The, the means, motive, and opportunity, what's going on here. Because when you do that, you realize if we were, if this were a murder mystery, a murder investigation, and we were doing it seriously, you just wouldn't accept a lot of the stuff that this happened as you'd know it was off, okay? You wouldn't wait for 30-year double-blind studies. It isn't that kind of a, a scientific investigation. So the first thing that happened along that road, so I'm going to kind of go in the time course here. The first thing that I noticed was that I was, I was, what was I looking at? I was looking at something. Oh, I, cause I had published a Substack article. I published a bunch of several Substack articles. And one of the things I brought up was CRISPR, the CRISPR technology. And the, you know, the th stuff about the X files and the predictive programming and the danger of this stuff. And it really worried me. But when I got farther into it, I re somebody had sent me a, a kind of a, it was a legal, it was, it was like, they sent it to a lawyer and the lawyer passed it to me, not, you know, and it was about, they were saying, it sounded like Chinese, I can't remember where I thought these were Chinese people writing this, but it was a group of people that didn't sign their name, I, and at the time I believed them, I thought, well, they just don't want to be killed probably, and they purported to be ratting out this guy named Feng Zhang at MIT, and what they're saying is, We've done the RNA sequencing. This is how we did it. These, these guys were, whether or not they were lying or not, at least they were extremely technically competent. They, 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 from what I can understand, I mean, they were using the right words and they were talking about stuff I could verify and they looked at all these different, they were using different methods for sequencing, different databases and all that kind of stuff. And what they said essentially was, you know, this isn't the code for a spike protein. 
Okay, it, it's an it's no long open reading frame. This is a, some kind of RNA toxin they're giving you. They're just giving you all sorts of little fragments of RNAs that we can't identify. It's not the it's not the spike protein. And we think this is where the, the whole the whole murder mystery thing comes. In. And we think the only guy that could have done this was Feng Zhang at the MIT Zhang lab, named for him. Okay, so I decided, who is this guy? So I went to the MIT lab thing. Well, Feng Zhang is a young guy, and by the way, his name in Chinese means tip of the spear. Make of that what you want. He's a Chinese-American. I mean, I think he was native-born Chinese. But anyway, young guy, obviously very bright, and his claim to fame is this is the guy who's the father of CRISPR. Okay, so He's apparently very, very up in this thing. So I go to his website, start reading it. And what does he say? The first paragraph that I found about this was he says, yeah, you know, now I'm embellishing a little bit. But he says, you know, when, 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 you, when it comes to genetic manipulation, we can do gene knockdown. And I knew that. What, gene knockdown is, is not, you know, that's how they made GMO potatoes. In other words, they crudely, you know, change things in the DNA enough that they can just get rid of things. And then they see what happens. It's very crude, but it, they can do it. And that's the, the GMO potatoes that we have today that are all, don't eat any of those. What they did was they didn't want to have spoilage. So what they did is they hid the spoilage by knocking down the gene for the melanin. So anybody that eats GMO potatoes, just be aware. The potatoes could be rotten, but you won't know because they took away the chemical marker that God gave us to know that something's rotten, okay? That's the way gene knockdown works. They can knock down part of your immune system, for example. But what, they, what he says... But, but, you know, when it comes to precise genetic insertion, we really can't do that. And I read that and I said, what? This is the father of CRISPR. That's what that's all about. What are we talking about here? So then I looked up and I learned this from Bob Greska, not Carbon 60 fame. I said, I, I learned, I looked up his, his PhD thesis. Okay, and what's his PhD thesis in? It's in optogenetics. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little later about why that's important and what opto optogenetics in brief is that I can use wavelength to change the function of like nerve cells or, you know, heart cells or things using wavelength and it presumably goes through the DNA expression. So that's what optogenetics is and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But here's the reason. So then I started thinking about there's something wrong about the idea of the RNA in the vaccines to begin with. The first and the first thing is that if you're if you're looking at the the, the production of this of this technology, just to begin with, let's assume they started six months before the EUA rolled out and they started producing these vaccines. If you look at Pfizer, just at Pfizer, and you look at how many vaccines they claim they've produced to date, and then you look at at, let's give them a few more months. Let's add six months from the time of the EUA. So from that date to now, they claim they've produced a certain number of vaccines. To do that at, at their 11 facilities, they would have to be doing in vaccines per second. Non-stop, round the clock, seven days a week, no shutting down of any of those production lines, no pause for quality checks, no nothing. Is, you know, and if, you, and if, then, if then you say... Oh, no, that's 14, sorry, 14 vaccines per minute. If you say you waited until the EUA was actually approved to start producing it, you're talking about 18 vaccines a second. So is that even possible? And is it even, especially with a, with a, with a medication like this, which is injectable and has serious quality constraints that have to be tested frequently, and 
that's just, I know something about manufacturing. You always shut down lines. Campbell's Soup in Omaha near me, they always shut down lines because something was amok. Here you have a very, very delicate process and they're saying that nothing is shut down. It just doesn't make sense. So that's number one. Number two is the cost. In 2018, the cost of doing any kind, they only had, keep in mind that there were billions and billions of dollars sunk into vaccine, into mRNA technology research in medicine. And none of it, except like two things so far, have ever resulted in an actual treatment, has ever meant the clinical stages before COVID. And, and one of them was an ophthalmologic thing. And it, and it cost essentially 800000 to a $1 million a dose. And you're telling me that within two years, they got that technology down so they could offer $30 or less per dose for the whole world. I, I have a little hard time with that one too, okay? You, I know mass production decreases cost, but to, from a million to 30, mm, that's a little bit hard stretch. But here's the kicker, okay? Even, you know, remember when this thing rolled out, at first they said, oh, this stuff has to be kept very, very cold to keep the RNA from degrading. So it's, it's very important that it stays at 80 below, I think it was 80 below zero centigrade or something. It was very, very cold. And so it could only be in certain depositories around the country. And then after about two or three weeks, that kind of just went away. And pretty soon it was just sitting on a, a pharmacy wall. And then pretty soon it was there for a month. Okay. That was 10 days. And then it was a little stretched out. Now, why is that important? Because if you go to a, I, I found they're still doing research on this stuff. So the people producing this are not the primary researchers. The researchers are out there in academia and all sorts of medical facilities and they're doing all this stuff. And they know, they know what happens when they're doing research, right? They knew about the animal deaths. They're still having people, the, the cancer research in mRNA, yeah, the animals don't die of cancer, but they're dying of other things. So they know there's a problem. It's never been really released yet for that. But when I found a paper, and this is a, a group of, of physicians, I think from the University of Washington, and they, they're talking about how it's a review of mRNA technology. This is June of 2022. Let's think about that. So a year and a half after the rollout of all these vaccines, these guys are saying, you know, this mRNA technology would really, yeah, it has a lot of potential. Like maybe we could make a vaccine. They're, they're primary cancer researchers, but they were saying, yeah, for example, they could make a vaccine for malaria, which is desperately needed in the third world country. But the problem there is they don't have a transport system that would, that would, allow this because without the ability to thoroughly to keep these things really really cold the mrn is going to degrade so at the time we're letting this sit at room temperature for period long periods of time months at a time before we give it out they're still saying in the basic science research that's not possible and when you look at it the half-life of some of these rnas so there's rna as a, as a family of things they're micro rnas and, and mrnas the messenger rnas or rnas they're all these different things and when they look at these things they all have different half-lives but they range from about three minutes to 16 and a half hours. Now, I'm just going to make this point. We know about transportation systems. You couldn't even get it out of the factory in 16 and a half hours. Not to mention, then the so that to me is the final blow in my mind, that this is not what this is about. Even if they intended it, they're getting, you're getting very, if, if they did put it in, which I doubt, you're getting extremely degraded stuff if it's been sitting on a pharmacy shelf, right? And, and when I say extremely degraded, it's like the point of 90 to 99% gone. To the, and they say in, the, in this article, one of these articles, they say, which makes it useless as an, M, when you're, 
as a clinical diagnostic test to look for mRNA. It's useless because just taking the blood sample, going to the lab, it's going to all be degraded. Now, it degrades faster in blood because we have breakdown enzymes. But nonetheless, you see my point. This is just can't be what they're saying. So, yeah, so so that was that was the big thing. So then about this. So then what are they doing? And I honestly think the for lack of a better term, I mean, the uber parasites, I kind of like the uber parasites. I used to call them the uber lords. But the people on the top of the pyramid that are purposely trying to murder us with this stuff. If you know, do you think they'd be spending their? They're not going to volunteer their dollars for doing this if they can do it on the cheap. If it's going to be more effective, it's not mRNA. Even if it were, even if it were possible to get it out of the factory, it's just not a very cost-effective therapy because it's expensive to make stuff like this. So anyway, and I think personally, all those billions that were spent are probably spent in dark programs. I don't think it's really being spent on this. I mean, it's like NASA, right? This is like the mRNA technology is like space ex exploration by NASA. It may be going on some way, but not the way they're telling you. They're, they're, they're using the money for other things. So here we have now, what are, what are they really doing? Well, it turns out that I went in the process of this looking at optogenetics. I started just researching optogenetics and I stumbled upon a lot of this uh, stuff. It has to do with opsins. Opsins are chemicals that respond to light. So you and I have opsins in our eye, like rhodopsin. It's one of those things that help you see chemicals or low light or something, but it changes with the with 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 when when light hits it. Now, human beings and mammals in general, we don't have very strong opsins. In other words, they they talk about, you know, the kinetics of chemical reactions being, you know, very very fast, very slow, whatever. Our kinetics in our opsins isn't very fast. We don't, we don't have the kind of really very sensitive opsins that bacteria do. And I think it's a blue-green algae or something that they used as an example that, that in a petri dish, if you have this blue-green algae floating on the surface, so the whole surface looks kind of blue-green, and you shine a 310 nanometer light on it, they'll start all moving to, away from you to the other side of the petri dish. It'll, it'll eventually you'll have a petri dish that's that's all to the, the the opposite side because it actually triggers the little flagella, the little rotary propeller on the back of these these single-celled organisms. Okay, so they have very very full options. Well, what these basic science researchers and I never read, quite frankly. I don't know about you, but have you picked up a medical journal? I mean, the medical journals are just so fraudulent, it doesn't matter. But real research is still being done out there, and somebody's publishing it. You know when something has become, by the way, here's your, your how to clue to how to do basic science reading. I learned this years ago looking at the bioweaponeers. They'll, they'll publish, 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 publish. The minute it goes dark, you can't see it. They've quit publishing about it. That means it's gone into the black programs. Okay, So right now, they're still publishing this stuff, but who knows? So, so this is from a few years ago, and they're talking. Maybe they're not publishing it now because some of this stuff is from a few years ago. So what they did is they took these opsins, and they said, let's hybridize mammalian opsins with these bacterial opsins to see if we can make them more effective, so if we can use them for targeting for cancer research. That's one of the reasons that they were saying they were doing it. So they did that, and, they, and, they, and then they injected these things into the mice. Now, there are two types of optogenetic research using this that are primary. I mean, there are probably a lot more, but the big two things they're looking at is your heart and your brain. And they always do it, oh, we want to solve Parkinson's and we want to have, be able to solve, you know, do things that are non-invasive in the heart. Those are kind of the excuses they always give for all these kind of strange things. But what they did was they injected mice with these, this hybridized opsin. 
And what they sell, the other thing is almost word for word in all these articles, they talk about very temporal spatial specificity. specificity. In other words, when they do this technique, it, it is very specific. If I want to use this technique on one part of the brain, I don't have to affect the other part of the brain. I can target parts of the brain, parts of the heart, to the point you can almost do cardiac mapping with this. Okay, So they, so they hybridize this chemical, this opsin thing, they put it into the mice, and then they turn on the wavelength, they play around with wavelength, and they can cause arrhythmia. They can start arrhythmia, they can stop arrhythmia. Now think about that. They can start your heart and stop your heart with EMF frequency. Let's just see what this might lead to. But they couldn't do it. Yep. That's right. Now, that, But here's the point, the good point I'm just going to make. They couldn't do it until they put this chemical into you. So those people that are unvaccinated probably are somewhat... If this is what's going on, as I suspect, it's good to be unvaccinated right now. They really have to inject you. This is not something I think they can get into you by all the fear tactics they're putting out there. I think they have to. It's like Judy Mikovits said this at a meeting. I was sitting next to her chatting with her and she said, but she, she talked about, you know, she talks about viruses, but she doesn't really mean viruses. She means genetic material that's being scavenged from one animal, put in another animal. She calls it infection by injection. So I think that's what this is too. There's a, they have to get it into you. But once they get this stuff into the into the animal, they can then cause this arrhythmia. Now I want you to think about the, the Travis Scott concert. Remember, I mean, I'm not a. It may surprise you, but I don't follow rap. But but that was, there was one concert that I actually watched some of. But so they had all these people that dropped, and these are young people, roughly ten of them. It, they wanted you to make it make it sound like it was a crush syndrome, but it doesn't look like that. And if you talk to the people that, if you listen to the people that were firsthand reporting it, assuming the history to be correct, like we talk about in homicide investigations and and medicine histories, assuming the history to be correct, they weren't getting crushed until they fell, and then there was a problem that they didn't have room to do CPR. That's when the, they tried to get things stopped. They tried to get these people resuscitated. They tried to get the help in the, the EMTs and stuff. That's the problem. So there was a similar incidence in South Korea where there was, I think there was a significant number in significant number. I want to say a hundred, but I, I, Oh, in South Korea, number of people dropped. I thought it was about a hundred. I did too. I want to say a hundred. I think that's what I read. And again, these are young people and they, they, they go to this concert and they suddenly drop. Now, what's the number one reason that young people have sudden death? <laughs> it's, it's, it's sudden, unexpected arrhythmia. You got it. So let's just look at this. Now, these opsins respond to two things. They respond to wavelength and they respond to pulsatile light. Like a like a strobe light, like a like a flashing light at a concert, right? So everybody had to be vaccinated. Then they had to walk through this tunnel of you know this creepy skull satanic junk. And then when they got into the concert, then they're bombarded with wavelength, they're bombarded with flashing lights, and these people kind of almost all at once started dropping. Same, I think that was the same thing in Korea. I can't, I don't know all that. I didn't, I didn't listen to the firsthand reports there because now I'm pretty, con, I'm, I'm pretty convinced this is going on, but they claim this never used this technique in, 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 in humans, but they, they, they can show you in animals, they can change the behavior by targeting, let's say their hypothalamus. 
and they can, you know, they can do lots of stuff. So they're targeting the brain, they're targeting the heart. And wouldn't this be, I don't know if you, you know, you're too young to remember the church commission, but the church commission really unearthed a lot of things in Congress when Congress was really, some of the congressmen really, I guess, cared about truth. It unearthed a lot of things, including that heart attack gun. You know, they had these guys showing this CIA heart attack gun because they could give you a heart attack at a distance. It's unprovable, but it used some kind of ice bullet. I mean, it was it was kind of weird. I can't remember the whole story now, but they they actually have they've had a, a desire to be able to kill people. You know, you know, these these intelligence services, they want to be able to off people without being caught. So so just all the deep, dark I believe people. that. I believe that gun used some sort of conotoxin from a cone snail. It could be. I can't remember that whole story. There were several of those weapons out there. There was the ice one, and there was the toxin one, and then, of course, we have the Havana syndrome. So let's not forget that they've been trying this for a long time. We know that in the age of the Soviet Union, we had our, our, our diplomats down there, and they got they got headaches. They got all these things happening to them. And it took years to untangle that, at least we claim, to figure out what was going on. But now we know they actually were having bombarded of, of a microwave type device into their skulls. Because, and we also know it, not just because they claim that they've, they've done that, but also because DARPA worked at a countermeasure. And when they start working at countermeasures, they assume, you assume that there's a measure out there. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just say, in really in conclusion, that the other point here is if you go back in the Russian literature that I did, and it's just a fluke. I studied Russian in college, which has really paid off because I'm not, I can't speak it. You know, I can't, but I can, I can read it. I can read it. I'm getting to read it better every night because I'm following the Wagner group and all these Russians and the war in Ukraine. And I'm learning all sorts of language we never were taught in the, in the Russian school. But anyway, when you, you find this guy Kaznacheyev in the 20s and 30s in Novosibirsk in, in the old Soviet Union, and he became an academic kind of guy. Guy. But he started out just looking at this, and he looked at cells that were in a, like a Petri dish, and it would be, you know, side A, side B, exact same type of cell, but separated by an optical window. And it, then he poisoned side A to see what happened in side B. And he would poison it with arsenic, cyanide, bacterial toxins, radiation was a favorite. He did this thousands of times. This is not a fluke. It was thousands of times he did different experiments. And what he discovered was if the optical window was glass, nothing happened to side B. But if the optical window was quartz, they started dying 12 hours later from the cells that were dying that he had poisoned. But these weren't poison cells on side B, right? Side A, he poisoned. Side B, 12 hours later. And it's specific to what kind of poison he used. So if he poisoned side A with arsenic, side B would start dying with arsenic poisoning. Now, what's different between quartz and window glass? Quartz allows ultraviolet waves through. So the Russians concluded that there was a, a transmission here of something. They called them the photoni smerti, the, the, the death photons, that there were these ultraviolet photonic you know, wavelengths coming through, and it was killing the other cells from the dying cells previously. It's interesting that you can't find his literature in, you, oh, he's written a lot. Kazachev wrote a lot, and yet you can't find stuff in English. And when you do find anybody talking about him, they say things like, oh, that was these crazy Soviet doctors, and, and that hasn't been reproduced or something. And then, or you'll find a paper that, that looks like it's going to tell you something, and it says, you don't have the authorization to read this. Now, what is this? I mean, if it's crazy stuff that there's just this guy's a looney tune, 
Let me read it. Maybe I like Looney Tunes, you know, but no, they're going to keep that. No, there's, and, and, but there was a group of doctors, a group of scientists outside of Russia that later on experimented with the stuff in the 60s or, or, or was researching the stuff in the 60s, I suspect. They were in Germany. And guess what lab it was? It was the Marburg lab. Now, if you look at Marburg, Marburg is not an airborne virus like they want you to believe because in the whole history of the world, there have only been 600 some cases. And most of them were in gold miners or some kind, one of them was gold miners, maybe another kind of miner in these two different mines in Angola and Congo. And during war, just at the end of these war episodes. So it's kind of crazy, but it looks to me like that's, that was either asset acquisition or it was a bioweapons experiment on those groups of people. They didn't make their wives and children sick. It was just the miners that got sick. What? You see what I'm saying? It doesn't, it, if it were a virus, it would have spread around. Just like why in Wuhan did all those people drop? But we didn't see people in Beijing or Lanzhou or Yanzhou or, you know, all these other cities did not, you know, Shanghai, they didn't drop. And yet transportation was not halted in China for a long, long time. So again, what does make sense and fits everything is, 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 is frequency. So what you're saying is that the reason that in Wuhan that everyone was dropping is they may have been exposed to a particular frequency, EMF frequency, that may have caused some sort of fatal arrhythmia or some other issue that dropped, caused them to drop dead. Right. Now, there's two possibilities of how they got the, the if it needs options, how did they get the options into the people in Wuhan? And I will say there's two possibilities here. The one possibility, which I honestly kind of favor, but it doesn't quite go along with infection by injection is, but it goes along with what Karen Kingston has been saying, a, a specific gel based or something, a lipophilic something that you can, you get on your hands and it gets into you and by itself, it's not toxic. Okay, it could. I thought it could be something that fit into the ACE2 pathway. That could be true. That would be the hydrogel. But it, it's something that, and we have videos by, I think it was Epic Times that had a video for a while. And it was a, some lady going into a computer store and she wasn't really looking at computers. She was just opening the lid, touching all the keys, shutting the lid, opening, touching, shutting, opening, touching. Like that was what you do if you wanted to spread something to people, right? So maybe we've spread around some lipophilic, something that gets into your skin, that, that stays on your skin. You get it into your mouth and your mucous memories or what. You start absorbing it, but it doesn't harm you until they turn on the wavelength. I believe that's true. Now, it can also be that some of the people that I noticed, because I was following that from the middle. I had a friend that used to work at Fort Detrick and, and you know, the bioweapons that used to be the bioweapons plan. It still is. Now they call it a cancer research place because cancer research is a great way to hide bioweapons uh, like veterinary medicine. It's a great way to stash bioweapons bio money. But but what happened is they, oh, what was my point? It was about the, the I lo oh, yeah, yeah. Say again. There are young men, it seemed, who may have recently... Oh, yeah, the young men dropping. So I started noticing. So I had this friend that told me, and I was from the middle of December. I was watching this stuff when most people had never heard that we were even having a disease breakout. So I was watching this stuff glued to my computer, right? And getting all these, you see all these Chinese talking. Now, I'm not saying that some of this couldn't have been propaganda and could have been lies, but there's some things you can't lie about. So, for example, I would see, and they were primarily young, thin, slender men, like like... 30s, okay? 
could have been military. They're walking along the street and they just drop onto their face without putting their hands down. I don't think you get a crisis actor to do that, even in China. Okay, so I think there's some there was some real stuff going on. The question is why, and I believe now those were at the time I said I'll bet you the common now why young men. I think those probably were military and they probably got vaccines because they got vaccinated. They know they were trying vaccines for SARS. So see. There could have been a multiple factorial reason why people were getting sick and dying. Some of them may not have had the same stuff because they were experimenting early on. They were, pl they were plotting this out. And I don't know that they had everything worked out. I, I know they didn't because we can see that in the, in the Craig Partacooper's research. So that's what I think happened. That fits in with the idea that I put forward in my episode 33 where I talk about the bioweapon and how... Fosun Pharmaceutical and BioNTech made an agreement saying that we will sell only to China, Fosun Pharmaceutical, and BioNTech will sell to the rest of the world. Well, if they've already done these experiments and they know that these kill people like that, then they, they know they will not give it to their people anymore. Right, right. Well, and the other thing is, the other thing is, I think, well, they also know that China can censor things and keep things from getting out there that they don't want out there because all that stopped right away. You know, notice how it kind of went for about a month and then you didn't see much coming out of China. And then we saw the stuff coming out of Lombardy and New York City and it moved on, right? The other explanation is that they were tuning it in. That, that what was happening is they, because we love to do research on third world people that, that in the middle of Africa, you know, I, I can remember when nobody heard of the term emerging infectious diseases. That all started when we started doing our bioweapons programs over there, I believe. You know, that's when we started getting AIDS, we started getting Ebola, we started getting all sorts of stuff. And they always blame it on, oh, they, oh, we, we, they paved the Kinshasa Highway, and so truckers were bringing this, this sexually active disease out of, the, out of the deep, dark jungle. I don't believe that. I mean, it's too pat, and there's all sorts of stuff, you know, the Zika. I mean, I don't care. If you look at these guys, and I'll say like Robert Malone, who have a history of being involved in this research, there's kind of a list of pathogens, and, and you know, Zika is one of them, Ebola is one of them, HIV, blah, 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 blah. These are all things that they use to try and get people to take a universal vaccine. They've been working at this forever. I would say on a, on a, on a kind of a creepy, now I'm, I'm going to channel Cliff Higher on a creepy existential note here. I love Cliff. I've had a chance to talk to him multiple times. He's great. But he, you know, it is true that it doesn't really matter what we believe, okay? It does matter ultimately with God and, and the reality of the universe. But in terms of understanding this, what it matters is what our enemy believes. And if you're, in this case, our enemies, we're in a weird, weird war. When have you ever been in a war you couldn't name the enemy? Right. Has anybody really named the enemy here? It's, it's like, is it Pfizer? No, of course not. Is it the U.S. Army? Is it the, they're trying to blame the military? You got an answer? The enemy, the enemy okay. is, is Satan himself. Right. And in the form of, I think, in the form of a bloodline conspiracy that owns 90 plus percent of the corporate wealth that sits on the top, that is run by a very few number of people. And for the lack of a better term, we call them the Khazarian Mafia. Now, they're not, it didn't start in Ukraine and Khazaria. It started in Babylon. And you're right. It goes way back to be probably even before the Old Testament. I mean, way biblical times, way back. And whoever and whatever these, these people, using the term somewhat loosely, are, but they have a weird belief. And the, well, part of the weird belief is that I can't 
hurt you directly because that's that would I would get karmic retribution. But I can I can indirectly cause you to be killed. So if I if I if I inject you with a poison that knocks down your immune system, so your own parasites kill you, which I think is what's happening in many of these young men and, the, and women in the military that have been out accumulating parasites during their duty overseas and in the jungles and, you know, creeping through Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg and places like that. And then we knock down that part of their immune system that now keeps their parasites in check. Boom, they die of parasites. And we call it cancer because we've been told that when you see these masses all over you, it's not, it's cancer. Not, oh, we don't, we don't know what causes cancer, but it's cancer. We never look at see if it's actually intracellular parasites. So that's one the whole line of, of thinking. But the, these that's what they do. And another thing is they have to tell you what they're going to do. So here's an interesting point, because if I tell you what I'm going to do and then you make the choice to do it, it's not my fault. You've chosen your path and you are responsible. Are you talking about the poison? Yeah. Are you talking about the poison apple? That's kind of like the poison apple. Right. If I so so here's the deal in in. When, when they said to you, there's a virus breaking out in, in Wuhan, China, it's bad, it's killing people. That virus has moved now to Lombardy, and now the virus has come to America, and the virus is doing this, and the virus is doing that. These people understand language, okay? They do word, it's Babylonian word magic and money magic. And what does virus mean in Latin? It means toxin. Or poison. It does not mean an airborne particle that flies out and is somewhat alive and goes to you and makes you sick. That is not what virus means. It means poison. So they were right. There's a poison breaking out. Let's just re reiterate this. It's a poison breaking out in, in, in China and Lombardy and New York. And if we start looking at that, we won't be... The reason this is even important, it's not just an academic exercise, but if we keep believing that these things are unrelated, this talk of Marburg, and then there was monkeypox. Remember the monkeypox even that they couldn't sell to a lot of people that would normally that may have bought into this other vaccine. That was so crazy. You know, there's just all these different things they're now trying to tell you that are going to be coming on. And it's going to be the we have a pandemic every two weeks almost now. It's like we're worried about this now. We're worried about that now. Oh, I know what the fungus among us. OK, I love that one. The, the, the new fungus that has a 60 percent fatality rate. Oh, my gosh. Set your hair on fire. and Be afraid until you read the CDC actual article. And at the very bottom, it says, normal people don't get fung this fungus. In other words, if you're normal immune system, you don't get it. The reason that they're telling you, trying to make you think that it's kind of natural is because they don't want to have to admit it's the vaccines knocking down your immune system. And these people who have taken multiple vaccines are getting essentially VADES, vaccine AIDS, vaccine-induced, you know, acquired immunodeficiency. And, and, it, and, and that is exactly what happened to the AIDS victims, remember? First, they were vaccinated in an experimental hepatitis B vaccine. And six months later, in those same cities where the, the gay population volunteered for that study, AIDS broke out in the gay populations. Okay? And then... They gave them AZT, which was a toxic drug. The, the people like Magic Johnson didn't take it. They just, you know, pretended to, I guess, for the money. But I know, I know somebody that treated him. He, he wasn't on it or isn't on it. And because it made him sick and he quit taking it right away. Okay, so the people that are smart, they're not, they didn't take that. And, and what happened is the people that took it, though, it damaged their immune system further. And then they, in the process of dying and all the bad things that happened to those poor guys, they, they got pneumocystis carinii, one of these 
opportunistic fungi, fungi. So the fungus among us is an opportunistic thing that won't damage normal people. They have to, they have to get your immune system softened up first. This is the... That's it. Absolutely. Just, just being in lockdown. You know, why do, why do we, and this, this, I'm going to tell you, this is, I learned this from studying the 1918 faux pandemic also started at an army base. I mean, it was just, it, it had nothing to do with a, a, a non-existent virus. It had everything to do with electromagnetic wavelengths and vaccines. So the people that died were people that took the vaccines, according to eyewitness reports on the ground. Okay, so yeah, that's what this is. This is this is about the same. And they're doing every time they do that. If you notice, every time we have these these kind of problems, why do we have a winter death season? And why did lockdown make make it worse? Because in the winter, we're not getting sunlight. You know, you and I were lied to in medical school. I know. I, I don't even have to ask you because I know that they didn't tell you this because they told us, oh, you're not plants. You don't get any direct energy from the sunlight. I'm sure they told you that, right? They said only from your food. But what's wild is I just I recently learned in the past few weeks that we have photoreceptors in almost every cell in our body, in our mitochondria. And you can do photobiomodulation where you can use a specific wavelength. Of, it's, it's in the infrared red spectrum. And you can actually affect and heal mitochondria with a laser deep inside your body, like in the brain. You can penetrate through the brain. Through, through the skull, the skin, everything. And that's the basis of these infrared lasers, right? That do heart, they actually help you recover from heart attacks and things. So th this has been known. Again, part of, you know, the dark occult, occult just means hidden. The dark occult of these people that run this show, they know these things. They know better how the world works, how our bodies work. They know we're wavelength. We are creatures of light. We're God's creation of by energy. And we appear like this because we're caught in Satan's realm in this reality situation where we're we're real we're, we're, we can be damaged but infrared seems to be the answer it's on the the death photons remember we're ultraviolet the other end of the spectrum the infrared is what you get when you go out in the sun in the in the summer right you get a lot of infrared in radiation and what that does is it charges literally not just the mitochondria for your energy production but it charges up the cells in your ba your batteries charge differentiation in all the cells. So every cell in your body is filled with like gelatin. It's not water in a loose form, it's gel water. And you have a charge differential that helps you get rid of toxins. You, you know, so the toxin comes in and your body will wall it off. This has actually been very clearly proven up by Dr. Pollock up in, in, in Washington University. And it walls off the toxin with separation of charge and pushes it out of the cell, just like we would do in the lab with a gel electrophoresis. That's how you know how things move. So we, 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 one thing that I want to, want to get to real quick is go back and look at my episode. When we're filming this, it is not published, but by the time this comes out, it will be episode 79 with Dr. Manuel Apricio and how he talks about chlorine dioxide. And I'm not saying you should take chlorine dioxide, but listen to how he explains it. Learn about it. See if it's right for you. Because what he says is that it, 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 he says the same thing that we are energy. And the chlorine dioxide balances that energy out, whether you're acidic or you're basic. 
it has it has something whatever whatever chlorine dioxide does and I I'm like you I don't tell people to use it because I don't want to go to jail okay they really want to hide that one but I do it I take it myself every day I'm on 10 drops a day you don't start there but that's that's I I love it and I never get sick traveling anymore but I also live by the sun cycle because the problem is why do we have a winter flu season we never used to have a winter flu season until we laid down the telegram lines so the electrification of our ionosphere and our atmosphere has made a big difference. You know, flu used to break out around the world every decade or three decades, and it was completely the sun cycle. It happened when there was a high energy bolus from the sun. And in fact, not too long ago, we just had a burst, one of those, I don't know, the, G, the, the astrophysicists call it something, it's some kind of sunburst that... that made a big flare and and I, and and I had about 10 people say, "Hey, I got a sudden cough. Do you think I'm getting covid?" I said, "No, you just got flared on." After about 10 called, I figured out what was going on. So, it still bothers us, but we don't notice it. In the winter though, what happens is not only are we in this hyperelectric environment that we never used to be in, our ancestors never used to be in, made worse by things like windmills and all sorts of stuff, not just cell phones. The second thing is, yeah, at an arm's length away from you, I hope. And the second thing is that we don't get out in the sun in the winter. So we, our batteries literally over time get discharged. And about by January, the, the, the most frail people among us earlier in the season are going to start getting sick and die because they've got toxins and now they can't expel them. So our answer is not a vaccine. In fact, the vaccine makes it worse, right? You get the flu vaccine, and then three months later, people start dying. That's not also by accident. So what we have to realize is we can take charge of our own body and our own life by just living by the sun cycle. The infrared saunas are great in the winter. You know, in the summer, get out in the light. Other things along this line, how many people do you know now they are suddenly sun gazing? You know, take off your glasses and go out and literally stare at the sun. And I, I thought this sounded crazy because we we're always taught in medical school, oh, that's going to give you cataracts and damage your vision. It turns out people that are doing this, including well-trained physicians, are finding their, their, over time their vision is getting better. Now, don't go out and just stare at the sun for an hour. You're going to burn your retinas. But if you do it in a proper way and you start like doing it when the sun is, is not so bright or it's in the morning or the evening or you look through, I do it through stippled trees and th things, you're get, there's a reason we're supposed to be getting that, but they've told us wear sunglasses, slather yourself with sunscreen. They don't want us to get sun exposure. I think for the sun gazing, I've broached that subject briefly. I haven't had enough time to pour into it, but I believe the time that people do it is not midday sun. It's morning when the sun's just coming up and evening when the sun's setting. And it has to do with gazing upon that, that long focal distance. And it really calms you is what I hear. And, you know, I live in Arizona now and it's, I'm pretty calm. Like I can see and I can see forever and I don't feel claustrophobic. I lived in Alaska and in that tiny house where it's dark and it's dark all winter and it's dark inside. And cause the log cabins don't have adequate lighting, no matter how much you do it. it it's, it's just so much more relaxing being yeah. here. Now it's funny. I'm, I'm reasons. an Iowan and I moved back when I retired from my spine practice, I moved back from Arizona to Iowa because I couldn't stand those perfectly sunny days every day. I had to have four seasons. I had to have snow. I had to have some dark. So, you know, but, but I make sure now 
that I have an infrared sauna in the house in the in the winter, and I use it. I mean, we didn't get sick the year of COVID because we just got in the infrared sauna every night. And, you know, 20 minutes at 130 degrees, you don't have to spend your life in there. You can read in there. You can do things in there. And, and you just you'll start sweating. You'll start really feeling the effects. But it helps you get the toxins out, and it helps you charge up your batteries. And that's what's that's what's key. We are we are electromagnetic beings. Now, the chlorine dioxide just happens to have. It's very interesting. It's like God's miracle molecule because it has a very specific energy of dissociation. You know, it it like Clorox. Everybody wants to call this bleach. It's not Clorox. Yes, it's an oxidizer, but it's also a it'll corrode things because the the energy of dissociation is very high. And if you look at all these different things that could be potentially used, like for sanitation, all of them except chlorine dioxide have a very high dissociative volt voltage, not chlorine dioxide. So chlorine dioxide can be used and it doesn't, it doesn't do the bad things that you would think if you were drinking bleach. I mean, that's the point. People make fun of it. It's not true. But again, electromagnetic. So I think we should be looking at that as not only can they produce disease just with electromagnetism, they've shown, but they can certainly be specific and they can target it. And I have a, I don't know, do you want to, have you heard of this guy? Let me see if I can find this video just really quick. Because I, I, I keep forgetting his name. His name is Pierre while Gilbert. While you're looking for, while you're looking for that, go I want to encourage the listener, the viewer, to go back to, I think it's episode 54 that you and I did together when we talked about EMF, and we got pretty deep into it. Really good information in that episode. Yeah, and that's when we started talking about having the tri-field meter and, and how you can avoid it. And I and I I don't know, I think I had, I knew about this then, but the the EMF saw people, they have, they have bioassays to show their stuff works. Yes, that's the same thing. Exactly. And I, I have one on the back of my phone, and... I don't know if it's made a difference. I put one on the house as well. I will say that everyone in the house has just been a bit more calm. Well, no, I you know, think it makes a huge difference people, on the house. Yeah. Like now, everyone you're... was kind of on edge before. And yeah, now everyone's right. just... And that is the simple, that the, the on, being on edge is one of the symptoms that they understood back in the 1800s when they called it neurasthenia. That's what neurasthenia was. It was associated with the electrification. It was otherwise called telegrapher's disease because people that were working in the telegram offices in the 1800s and in, underneath the telegram lines like conductors on trains, they all started getting this nervous jitteriness. Not all of them, but some of them. And it's somewhat genetically, I mean, some people are more susceptible. But they found if they took a big, long twist on the telegram line of the copper wire, it went away or pretty much got better. So, yeah, I think you're completely right by saying it's probably calmed your family down in the house. Another thing that's interesting that kind of goes along with this, but it's a, it's a different topic that of an episode that will be published by the time this one comes out. But it's where I talk with Flat Earth Dave and we talk about the Coriolis effect and the, he he says that the reason the Coriolis effect is around the equator is because the sun is, listen to it, it's going to sound crazy, me talking about it, he gives very good evidence and he's got pictures and, and graphics and all this, but he says that the sun is much, much, much closer than we think it is. It's It looks like it's right there because it is right there, and as it goes through the air over the equator, and as the moon goes over the air over the equator, it, it causes an electromagnetic wake in its path. And he said, you know, just like when you take your hand through water, there's two vortexes on either side of it. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I have to say the flat earth guys, 
they make some good arguments. They really do make some good arguments. My problem is, and I don't think, by the way, I'm, I'm with them on the scam of NASA, as I said earlier. NASA is a black, but that doesn't mean we didn't go to the moon using different technology. So the question I have for you is, is he, does he believe in aliens that come from other places in the universe? We didn't talk about aliens at all, actually, because I think he wanted to keep it YouTube friendly so that it doesn't get yanked off of YouTube. We did talk about the moon. We did talk about NASA. Now, aliens and will get you. Challenger you... in particular. I'm, I'm, I'm just questioning. I, aliens I now will get you off YouTube? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just got. I did an, in My interview with Kirk, with Dr. Kirk Moore, got yanked off within two days. And that was just him telling his personal story of what happened. No treatment, no. This, that, or the other. No COVID misinformation. I've been meaning to call him. Yeah. Yeah, you sent me the information. I, I really want to interview him. That guy has really a good story. Yeah, he's a hero. Yeah. He is. Yeah. It's, uh, he is a hero. Well, and it, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's very interesting. So he must be saying something that is really damaging to them or that it's, it's, it, it's provable in such a way that they don't want it to be out there because that was my experience. One of the things that kind of woke me up is that I didn't, I'm according to Steve Kirsch, he says, I'm the only person he knows that got demonetized from Substack, but it wasn't about talking about genetics or CRISPR or DNA modification or RNA vaccines. It was when I started talking about that. These are wavelength weapons, not, not RNA weapons. That's when it got me. They, they literally sent the money back to my subscribers, thousands of dollars. Yeah. So it wasn't just a random, oh, your credit check didn't go through or, you know, I mean, you could say, oh yeah, I know you didn't have a PayPal account or something. No, I did. I did. But they PayPal, I got, I got demonetized from PayPal long before I tried to be on Substack. So it's interesting. I mean, that, so, so he must be speaking words that are dangerous to them. That's what you got to conclude there. Well, you have to remember he was indicted for destruction of government property. Yeah. 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 But that, that in, in, again, as growing up in the Vietnam generation, that used to put you on front news as a hero. Oh, you know, the, Daniel Berrigan and the, you know, the Pentagon papers and all that kind of stuff for taking down the army Vietnam effort. That used to be, you were a hero to do that. Now, no. And he saved lives. He saved children's lives. And they had a sting operation to figure this out. It's just, it's mind boggling. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I have to talk with him because it's interesting. I mean, that, that took guts to do that, to just not give, to pretend to give the vaccine and not give the vaccine. So. And for anyone out there who's like, oh, well, what about the parents? They paid for, the parents knew 100% what he was doing. This was what they wanted because they didn't want their child to get this poison shot. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that part, but I was pretty sure that was probably true because if you're an ethical physician, you are going to give informed consent. How did you get into trouble? <laughs> Trying to give informed consent, right? How did Pete Chambers get, get canned? Informed consent. They didn't want us actually looking into what we had to know to do informed consent. And that's why at the end of the day, when we talk about what's in these vaccines, everybody should keep in mind that they still don't tell us what's in them. We still don't have any official notice by Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, anybody telling us what are the actual things in here. Right. The things that we know are in there are, are bad enough. 
these these lipid nanoparticles that they say are in there, those are disastrous. They're not validated for human use. Right. And they knew they were but disastrous yet, in 2018, but then that literature went black. So you went quiet because they were going to weaponize it. Yeah. Well, I found a patent from 2014 that showed they were disastrous, that they sh that they caused disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC. They caused autoimmune disorders. They caused all these problems in 2014. Yes, yeah. They, they knew. And that's, if you, again, it's very interesting because I went back and read that old literature, and, and you probably know this, but just for your listeners, if you read the, the, the vaccine literature, they say, oh, these cationic lipids are great. They, they help stimulate the immune system, and we don't see a lot of problems with them. But then you read the cancer and the basic science guys literature about this stuff, and they say, they say yeah, you know, there's potential to use all this stuff for, for medical dosing and cation, but these cationic lipids are so toxic, and we just can't seem to work it out. Out. And then all of that literature gets quiet after 2018. <laughs> and that, so that's knew. one thing that <clears throat> that the medical community seems to think that, oh, we made antibodies, it must be good. Well, scarlet fever is also antibodies. Yeah, yeah. No. Antibody antibodies are your body trying to react to something that's toxic. Yeah. And and honestly, if you really start looking at the history of vaccines, it, the whole thing was corrupt. And, and I started, I, I'm sorry I vaccinated my kids when they were little. You know, again, I, I wouldn't do it again, but I believed in all this stuff. That's what they told. And, and I, I believed it even though, even though I remember in 1976, my pediatric professor of medicine, pediatrics in, at the University of Rochester, he got up in front of the class. This is when you're doing your preclinicals. And he said, and he showed us the graphs of the decrease in death in America from, from vaccine of childhood diseases. And it was minuscule by the time they instituted, for example, the measles vaccine. The kids weren't dying of measles. It was extremely rare, like 200 a year, 250 a year. So, and, 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 and we can now show if you give people vitamin A, vitamin D, give them a better diet. But what his comment was is that vaccines didn't stop childhood diseases, plumbers did. And I always thought that was a funny line because what he's really saying is it's, it's, it's our nutrition and it's our our cleanliness. We got cleaned up the sewers, we cleaned up that stuff, and we got good nutrition, and we just weren't dying from all that stuff. It's the environment that we live in. We have a cleaner environment. We don't put poison, as many poisons into our body through food and water. Well, we don't put the old poisons in there. Now they're giving us new stuff. Now, I, I, you know, and that's, that gets me to, I guess we ought to say something about the, what they're killing, that they're doing into cattle. You know, they're claiming that they're putting this mRNA vaccine in cattle. Now, even if even if I'm telling you the truth, and even what I say, it turns out to be the truth that these never were mRNA. It doesn't mean they're not putting these toxic nanoparticles in cattle. So that is of a concern. And I'm just going to say, you know, I I'm I think we need to do an end run around the the first of all, how many people think Kraft Foods is acting in our health interest? You know, and I'm just I shouldn't single out Kraft. Anything that comes in a box, you know, all this stuff, it's filled with toxins. One thing that really struck me this week, because we're filming this on the week of, of this in Demet, Texas, this horrible, horrible disaster where 20,000 cattle, approximately $40 million worth of cattle, burned to death alive. And it what echoed in my head was when you said, whoever controls the calories wins the war. Yeah, 
That's it. I mean, that's that's and that's what happened. You know, think about the Soviet Union when they were still fighting, you know, to control the country, the Bolsheviks, because they were only three percent of the of the population that were behind them. So they were still what they had to do was murder the kulaks. They had to stop the food supply. They had to they had to create chaos and stop the food supply. Now, I'm hoping, you know, unlike and, and oh well, actually, they first they disarmed people. They they asked the white Russian or the Russian officers that were, you know, there, they said, hey, come and register with us because we might need your help. And they all registered them. And then they went out and murdered those officers. So they took their weapons and murdered them. So they, they disarmed and, and decapitated their resistance military. But the next thing they had to do was they had to get rid of the most productive farmers. So I think we should encourage all our local farmers. I mean, how we win this is we take back locally. We have to locally resist. Don't, don't, tune cede malice. First, do not accede to evil. Don't be part of it. If you're a pharmacist tech, if you're a nurse, if you're somebody that's still in the system giving these shots, you will not be unaccountable. Okay. This is, this is, when this goes down, it's going to be like after World War II. It wasn't the Nuremberg trials. That was a show trial. What really happened were in the villages when they hung those people that were involved in murdering their family because the Germans were victimized too. And that happened. So, and, and neither of us are advocating for vigilante justice. No, of course not. At all. But I'm preparing and, and people to. I just want to make that clear because. Yeah. I just want to make that clear because CIA is probably still watching me. Counterintelligence. Oh, I know NSA probably but, follows me around. <laughs> they're having a big meeting right now behind me. Ah, that's some good points. But in reality, either way, whether you get justice on this earth or not, you will get it in the second, in the next life. When you stand before your creator and you, you have to answer for your actions. Right. And, I, and, and I'm just telling you the history. Right. I'm just telling you the history of World War II. That, that, that in your local community, they'll remember who, who, who hurt them. So you have to get out of this. The, the, the reason that it's also so important, whether you're, whether you're in the medical profession or you're, you're in the Air Force and you're flying these jets that are out of Lincoln, Nebraska, that are doing geoengineering. I, I think they're still there. That's where they said the head of that some of this stuff was going out of. You know, if you're flying these planes, just realize they're murdering your children, too. They're geoengineering this planet for something that isn't human because it's not good what they're doing, whether it's a carbon capture pipeline. Don't you know, this is a time when people have to bring together. This isn't about race, religion or anything else. This is about mass murder of humanity by a few people that are for reasons we can't completely work out now. I have my own beliefs, but you can make your own. This is this is your own cosmology. I don't know what's going on, but we're going to have to stand together and you can do it. Anybody, you can't participate. These guys, all they do is move money and words. If we don't become their hands, it's like Eichmann didn't kill anybody. It was the little people that worked for him did, that were out in the death camps, right? Eichmann just made the trains run on time, make the system run. Get out of there. Don't be the people that are that are helping these these psychopaths murder your children. And, and if that happens, this whole thing comes to a stop. You know, America, we're the one nation, and there are several other nations, but they're not that many anymore, that, they're, they were, that we were so interconnected. But do we need China to feed us? Do we need anybody to feed us? We can feed ourselves. We are completely self-sufficient. We can produce automobiles. We can do things so great in this country. But we've allowed that to be usurped, and we've become conditioned, and we've been robbed of our wealth by these overseas banks that are 
like foreign agents in our country. Let's just stop that. Don't participate in it. Take back your local economy. Get to know your farmers. Get to know the, the people that start figuring out how you're going to survive with each other just if you're in your county. You know, we can do this. And, uh, you know, it, it's not vigilante justice to support, to point out the fact that just that one of the things that makes us different is our Second Amendment rights and our rights to free speech, which are also being eroded. But we can't let those two things go because the number two A supports number one A. And you have to, have to, we have to understand, I mean, even the Canadians are starting to catch on to the fact that yeah, it was bad when they gave up their, their rights to own firearms. So, but they never really had it under the Queen. They didn't really have the right, but they gave up, they, they let them go. And that's, that's why we're still standing. And that's why they're all trying to come after them now. That's one thing that Jordan Peterson says, that if you're a dog with big teeth, you rarely have to use them. And and he's talking about using weapons. Like, we, if you have the weapons and you have the, the human strength and, and you exercise meekness, which is having a sheathed weapon and knowing when to draw and when not to draw, then you often don't have to use it. Right. It's like the great big, the great big strong guy walking down the street usually isn't the guy that gets mugged, you know. So, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think it's an interesting statistic. If you took all of the all of the hunters just in the state of Minnesota, put them all together, they constitute the fifth largest standing army in the world. I don't know if you knew that. But that's pretty cool. I think I heard that before. Well, Dr. Merritt. I truly appreciate your time again. Thank you so much. I want to be respectful of your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot. Great to talk with you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. <laughs>